Hey, Smoke Meat's brought to you by Joe's Underground in Augusta, Georgia, at the corner of 8th and Broad and the bottom of the Lamar Building. I always remember I goes to Joe's and so should you. Uh, right now, Joe's is closed because of the pandemic. Hopefully, they're going to open up soon and we're going to just have a great big party and have a good time with Jeremy and all the gang. Great food, great drink, great people, great atmosphere. Remember, I goes to Joe's and so should you. Now, sit back and listen to the Smoke Meat Podcast. Hey everybody, you're listening to the Smoke Meat Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Pittman. Today, we've got the joy of having Mr. Reno Collier on our show today. Uh, Reno was one of the comics on the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, The Next Generation. Uh, He's a great guy, very funny guy. I think you're going to have a good time today. So without further ado, how you doing, Reno? I'm good, buddy. I'm doing good. Just quarantined up. Oh, I'm with you. I'm I am relegated to the basement through, through all this. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to lose it a little bit, but oh. just because I haven't been on stage, I don't have anywhere to unload. Yeah, um, I've seen a lot of comics are doing, you know, some of the stuff on video. I couldn't imagine doing that just just my act on video with nobody around. Cause I, I like well, I just I just did I did a thing that airs Friday on Fox Nation. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh huh. And I had I had to do that. And it is bizarre, man. It's like, you know, there's no crowd, there's no, and it's just your phone, but it, it is kind of fun in a weird way. You get twisted after you've been locked in a house for a month and a half, so everything's, anything's fun. Oh, man, look, you know? look, look at my Facebook page and you'll see a video I did this morning as a character, Dr. Jebekiah Bajiner, talking about yeah. COVID-19, so I understand I'll that I'll check one. it out. <laughs> I definitely yeah, understand it's, uh, it's one of those times where if your job, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, you know, because it's all based on how many, if you can get people in crowds. Yeah. So it's like just looking for, thank God I do radio every week and um, just for some outlet. It's crazy because you just, I'm used to being on the road all the time and I'm always like, man, I wish I could have a month just to stay home and. <laughs> two weeks in, I'm like, I got to get out of here now. Like, there's got to be. I'm trying to tell jokes to the guy cutting the yard. Hey, come here. Stay six feet away. Knock, knock. I need to talk to somebody. <laughs> oh, man, I, I've recorded more in the last two weeks than I have in a long time. You know, usually it was, you know, maybe one, two a week at the most. And you know, all of a sudden, since last week, I think I've recorded about 10 podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One one thing that is good that'll come out of this, I think, you know, is is forcing us all to kind of not reevaluate, but just kind of figure out new ways to do what we do. Yeah. And a, a lot of writing's getting done, hopefully, anyway. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's almost like I was talking to my mom about it. It's almost like a cleanse. Yeah. Like, I try to find positives and stuff, and every once in a while, it's kind of like, I mean, I'm, I believe in God myself, so it's... uh it's almost like it's you're not going to stop and pay attention to your family or your kids or church or anything else. Well, how about, how about I make you do it? Yeah. You know, and then it kind of, you, I'm more thankful for things, you know, it's, there's always someone who's got it worse than you. You know, my grandma used to say that to me all the time and that generation that grew up during the depression, <laughs> you know, they'd say stuff and you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know, and then, something hits and you're like, I don't, and this isn't even nearly as bad as that, but you know, it does make you kind of reevaluate, you know, your life. 
What's yeah. important to you? What uh, can you calm down? Because I can't. I never can, and this is forcing me to. Yeah. You know? But I didn't mean to get all preachy. By the way, pass the plate around. Send me some money. <laughs> pass the plate around. Send me some bacon. Yeah. <laughs> but no, man. Hey, I. That's. I believe that's kind of what it is. You know, is like say is God or whoever anybody believes in out there. It's it's their way of saying you need to you need to slow it down. And, you know, getting a little bit too big for your britches. Yeah, and money's not everything. You know, you know, like it. It sure is important when you need to eat and keep the lights on and. But it's not everything. Yeah, yeah, you know. You know? I, I say I'm lucky, and at the same time I'm not because I'm working through this. I'm a paramedic full time. Yeah. And you know, just watching this, it's it's not. It doesn't discriminate a bit. It no. doesn't worry about how old you are, how young you are, what, how much money you got. Thank um, you for doing that too, by the way. You, you're very very welcome. I've been been doing it. May thirtieth will be thirty years. Oh wow! You've seen all kinds of stuff. Oh man. You ain't kidding. <laughs> My stepdaughter works at the hospital and uh, in the ER. <laughs> and like, I was just talking about church. Now I'm going to take a real strong veer to the right. Um, but like she comes home from work and people are like, hey, you know, do you have any COVID patients or what's going on at the hospital? I'm like, what they find in somebody's butthole? <laughs> <laughs> you would be amazed. I know. I'll tell you, when, when I was a young EMT, I probably wasn't a year in. We ran a guy. And uh, I can say this without it being against privacy because I'm not saying where, who, or what. Just yeah, he was laying on his couch, naked, and a a curtain rod fell off, and just nothing but net. <laughs> you believe that? Oh, uh, of course, I believe anything people tell me. Because <laughs> everyone, she told me, she goes, everyone always says they fell on it. Yep. Like nobody ever wants to say, like somebody had a potato in their butt. I'm like, you don't just slip it unless there's butter on it. You're not just going to slip and fall on mashed potatoes. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and if you like it, it's a sweet potato. <laughs> well, you know, the sweet potatoes got a bit more sugar in them too, you know, so. They do. You and they soften faster. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's, it, if I could tell half of the stuff that I've seen out there, holy crap. People have locked me away for being nuts. And y'all get people that call you just to come visit them and stuff too, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, right now, you know, here in Georgia, we've got the lockdown going on. And that's that's going so swimmingly because everybody's paying such good attention to it. Yeah. And uh, no, nobody yeah. hardly is wearing masks when they go out. So, I mean, this thing is far from over because of these kind of people. Yeah. And uh, it's, I've got a theory. We've gotten a lot more calls for things that aren't emergent. At, at night, cause I work on nights, and uh, I figured out we get we're getting these calls because the hospital has a good coke machine. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what that one is. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like I remember, and when I, uh, in Louisville, one of my buddies was an EMT, and he used to tell me this lady used to call. She was just lonely. Mm -hmm. Like they'd go over, and she's like, "Do you boys want something to eat?" And he's like, "Ma'am, you know, thank you so much, but what can we do?" Well. You know, and it's nothing, and it's just, and then the next thing you know, you're in a car accident. It's like, you know, it's just wide spectrum of stuff you all have to deal with all the time. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going from, I mean, one one night we may be in the truck bay playing cornhole. Yes, we have cornhole boards. Yeah. And, uh, one minute, the next minute, you know, be out where somebody's in three pieces from a wreck, you know, and then yeah. back to playing cornhole. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's weird adjusting to that. I can't imagine. 
But, I mean, it's uh, some of the things you got to do to cope. You know, I, I understand about the people who, who want to call just to talk. I've, I've dispatched and everything else with it. Now, we, we had an old lady one time who she would call at least twice a day and talk for 20 minutes. She couldn't get her off the phone for love or money. Yeah. And when, when you finally could get her off the phone, she'd call back with something. Well, I need the police over here for this. And it, I'll never forget my favorite one. She called one day. These boys are driving in front of my house yelling prono. They're what? They hollering prono. What's prono? You know, them old naked movies, they over there cussing. Oh, (laughs) prono. We we sent the guy over there and he talked to her for a little while and she was fine, but she was such a sweet old lady, you couldn't get mad at her. Especially when she gave me a gem like prono. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, we talked a little bit, you know, about you, you starting out here in Atlanta, you know, what, what got you on stage for the first time? I like to ask that question. I know everybody does, but. Well, yeah. you know, it's funny. Um, when I was in college for my graduation, my parents got me this thing where you could go to take comedy classes in Atlanta mm-hmm. and there were like nine of them. And that was my graduation gift. So when I went to Atlanta, I was teaching school part-time. And I was like, well, if I'm going to try to do this, I'm going to get a job at the punchline. So I got a job at the punchline. Mm-hmm. And I was working the door, working the kitchen, working the bar, anything. I was doing like three jobs at a time because I was figured if I work there and someone doesn't show up or stage time, I'll be able to get it like that. Mm-hmm. You know? So it would be like there were a bunch of hot girls that were waitresses and me and like a dishwasher and a cook, you know? <laughs> So the men's bathroom would overflow, and these girls were like, I'm not cleaning it out. And back then, it used to, that place was packed every night. Yeah. 350 people to the walls, jammed up, huge party, you know. So the men's, or the female, women's to- toilet would overflow, or men's toilet overflow, and these girls were like, I'm not cleaning that up. And their waitresses were busy, and I was like, I'll clean it up for seven minutes on Wednesday. <laughs> and they're like, no, we're not sitting through that shit again. You know, you, I'm like, seriously. And they're like, fine, clean it up. So I started trading out stage time for all the bad jobs that nobody wanted to do. How many times did you clog that toilet? Oh, God, what a great idea. I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> I probably did, but not for the reason you're thinking. <laughs> the woman's one was always cleaner. Um, they're not like us, man. They keep their stuff like cats. Oh, but man. I so I had this comedy school I was doing and the graduation was at the punchline and I went to like two of them and I was like, well, this isn't really like comedy. Like I was hanging out with the con like Brian Regan at night and then going into this and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm bailing. Mm. So I just stopped going. Well, my mom calls me the night before the graduation at the punchline. It's like, honey, I was going to surprise you, but I need a ride from the airport. I'm going to fly in to watch your graduation. I hadn't been to this thing in six weeks. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Uh, oh, no. you know. So I'm like, okay, I'll pick you up at the airport. So I call the guy who runs it. And I'm like, hey, man, you got you to gotta put me up on that graduation. He's like, no, you haven't been to any of the classes. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, cool. Then uh, I'm going to need my money back. And he's like. You're going up seventh. <laughs> I was like, that's exactly right. Because I'd been doing open mic and stuff, so I was ready. It wasn't like, you know. But that's how I got started. And then I got like three weeks booked on the road making like $150 a week. And I was like, I'm a comedian now. Sweet. So I just ditched my, my lease was up. I ditched my apartment. I quit my job at the school. And I lived on the road for like four years, three mm. years. Just taking every, I'd be in Lubbock, Texas, 
on a Sunday and have to be in Myrtle Beach on a Tuesday, and I had no apartment, and I had hot pots and shirts and pants, and my back seat looked like I, you know, I lived out of that thing. Yeah, kind of like it was my the car greatest now. time ever, man. It was so much fun. Yeah, you see, I never got to be a road comic, and I, I kind of regret that. Um, I, my only paying gig, you'll love this because you can probably relate to it. It was in a strip mall. On the back side of it, there was a strip club there in Savannah, Ooh. Georgia. And uh, that's where my first paying gig was. I made 50 bucks. Yeah. And if there's ever a movie made out of that night, Ben Stiller will be in it. That's yeah. the kind of night it was. Yeah. But Yeah, that was early on, man. There was some rough, you know, type gig. And comics, we always loved talking about them. Mm-hmm. You know, but biker bars. I mean, I did anything. I had to. I had nowhere to sleep. So if they didn't pay for a hotel, I was either in my car or trying to, you know, sleep on a friend's couch or whatever. But you get out into Texas, and if you don't know somebody and you're stuck out there for a few days, especially back in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you're at the Jolly Inn for 19.99 a night with a six-pack of beer and a Big Mac going, <laughs> did I do the right thing? Actually, I never thought that. I always, I always knew what I was doing. As far as like, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, but I, I never, it is kind of it's crazy sleeping in rest areas, and it was so much fun. People think it's hard. Like, wasn't that the hardest time of your life? I'm like, it was the best time. I had no responsibilities. It was yeah. freaking awesome. Yeah, you know, and there's some places that you played, or you know, shows you've done that you probably, you know, everybody says you regret this. One. I don't have any of those that I've ever done that I regret. Now, there's probably some that I should regret. Yeah. But I don't regret any show I've ever done. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I don't either. So, so and I, I know you started opening for Larry the Cable Guy. How did that come around? I was living out, and I moved when I moved out to Los Angeles, um, I'd had like three TV deals in a row, but I couldn't get a show on the air. Mm-hmm. And eventually you become that guy that they get sick of giving money to for stuff that ain't going to work. Yeah. So I, we, I had my first kid and I, and my ex-wife's family was all from Nashville. So I was like, I got, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go to Nashville. Well, this, I knew cable guy from when he was a feature act at the punchline mm-hmm. when I was bartending and stuff, but I signed on with the same management company that had Foxworthy and Ingball and Ron and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look, I want to sign with you guys, but I'm moving to Nashville. And they're like, go ahead. And I'm like, I don't have to stay in L.A.? They're like, absolutely not. Go ahead. We got it. I'm like, bye. <laughs> and I was like, I fired my old manager, hopped on with those guys, came to Nashville. And then for 10 years, I was on tour with him. And then three with, it was me and Ingvall and Foxworthy and Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun, man. It was so much fun. Yeah, I, I remember we worked the Bell Auditorium in Augusta on the ambulance. Uh-huh. And he came through. I can't remember if you were opening for him or not. I, I feel bad about that. Don't worry about it. But uh, we pulled up, and there were he had two motorhomes with crime scene tape around them, watching the Georgia-Florida game. And uh, it, it was just so cool because he, he talked to everybody that came up. You know, just he understood his fans are what, what makes the show. And he Man, was so great to, with all of them. We used to finish a show, and the bus driver would be like, all right, the show ends at 10. We're leaving at 1030 yeah. at, at two o'clock in the morning. The bus driver's sitting there and he would sit out there and sign at, until it got too big where he couldn't. Yeah. I mean, after you get into 15,000 people, you can't do it. But when it was like 1500 to 2500, 
mm-hmm. would go out front after the show and talk to every single person. Yeah, and that that just goes so far with me because, you know, I'm just, without people to laugh at me, I am nothing but a crazy person talking to myself. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. And, you know, it's funny because I see a lot of young guys, you know, if they go in to do a show and it's their show and there's 25 people there, they start yelling at the people about how nobody's there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, numbnuts, you don't yell at the people who paid. If you want to <laughs> yell at someone, go find somebody on the street who didn't come to see you. Yeah. Don't, don't ever go after the people that actually made the effort. Celebrate them. You don't know what they're going through. They might just need to laugh. Maybe they're getting out of the house because, you know, they got something going on. They want to forget for a while. Don't remind them. Not to mention the fact, don't remind them that nobody bought tickets to your show, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah Yeah, it's a different it's a different beast out there now than it was because it used to be i mean you'd get laid out if you did something like that Mm -hmm. you know if if you were opening for someone and you went out and started talking about how stupid the crowd was or you know the club owner would be like first of all your job's the announcements second of all get out yeah you know and now it's tough man because all these youtube people that aren't comedians who they throw up on stage and they have no act. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a just change because they sell tickets once. Yeah. Because people see it and go, oh, I want to go see that. Then they go see it and go, they got to have an act. Some yeah. of them do, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, there's, there's one, you know, I won't say who it is, but he's got a character that's amazing on, on YouTube and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Won't miss a video, but it's not a character that's going to translate to stage. And he doesn't do yeah. it on stage. And everybody that goes to see him is like, you didn't do this. He's like, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just interested to see what, what happens on the other side of all this when people can start having shows again. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, it's my, my time in life because I'm happy to be the, the comic that I am because with the 10-person maximum limit, I could still do shows if I wanted to. Yeah, <laughs> and I would almost sell out every night. Oh, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's going to be weird how they do it. Like I'm doing a couple fairs, or I was scheduled to. I don't know, um, but I think a lot of stuff's going to be outside this summer. Yeah, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But all the casinos, you know, you figure everybody's putting their fingers all over everything. I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. And comedy clubs and theaters, how are you going to, I don't know, man. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. You know, it is, you know, I hope everybody comes out on the right side of it and, and kind of, I think it's making everybody better. Yeah. You know, not just comics. I mean, just everybody in general, because I've noticed one thing, you know, people are being nicer to each other, more considerate. They are, aren't they? Um, and one, one thing I am noticing with this too, is with people staying at home, you know, we've got a lot of people, we, we're having a lot of assaults. <laughs> so, welcome yeah. to Georgia. I got to stay home with you. I'm going to beat you. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're having a lot of drug and alcohol problems go on. And uh, I, I hate that because I just it makes me wonder how many people, you know, were, were great until this happened. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm locked in the house. Well, time to go back at it. And, yeah, not only just locked in the house, but locked in the house and have no money, have no job. Yeah. You know, it feels like the world's tumbling down on you. And uh, I quit drinking. It's been about three, three years and some change, a couple months. Mm-hmm. 
And it was hard, man. And I got to be honest with you, it ain't easy during this. Yeah. And I've got a few years under my belt, and it still is, you know, it's tough. But you can't, you, and that's why there's little things that people say, you know, like one day at a time and one minute at a time if you need that. Mm-hmm. You got to hang on, you know. And it's, um, I tell people on my social media, I'm not a huge social media guy, but I tell people on there, like, if you need someone to talk to, call me. Yeah. You know, and I'll talk to him. I don't care. Hell, I ain't got nothing to do. Where am I going? <laughs> so, it's either that or blow the leaves off the porch for the 50th time. I don't give a shit. The thing is, while you're blowing the leaves off the porch, wife comes outside this board and says, I need to blow some leaves onto the porch. <laughs> so all it could take to stop that cycle is put them in a bag. That's right. But if you're like me, they'll never be in a bag. No. Yeah, hey, like I say, you know, the, the, the light at the end of someone's tunnel might be you. That's right. You, know. you never know, man. I know I had people that I never would have thought of that have helped me out in my life. That it's the last person I'd have thought of. Yeah. And you don't know. You know, you just kind of, that's what makes life exciting. Yeah. It can, it can definitely get that way. You know, I, a lot of people that know me know I had two strokes five years ago. Oh, wow. And, uh. You know, it's funny, It'll adversity will bring your friends to the surface, and people you thought were your rider dies disappear kind of quick, and people you never thought, you know, the people you thought either tolerated you or you tolerated them would walk through the middle of hell with you. And that's... Yeah. You know, it's, it's one good thing that comes out of the adversity. But. Yeah, you never know how much you mean to people. And most of the time, you think you're more important to someone than you actually are. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That's why I tell everybody, you know, with the, the podcast is starting to take off a little bit. I've got some character videos on YouTube that they're starting to gain a little traction. And I'm, I'm getting some little, little uh, can't think what to call it, little, little things going on with some auditions and things like that that I've never had to do before. And. You know, things things are kind of growing through all this, and I'm I'm letting everybody know, hey, if you ain't been with me through the 30 years I've been doing comedy, and hadn't been big, you know, then you're not gonna be with me when I do hit it. <laughs> you know, I, I tell everybody, if I win the lottery, there's gonna be a little place built, and if you belong in it, you'll have a place there. If you don't, you'll never get in. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they used to always say when I lived out in California, they were like, always be nice to the busboy, to the cook. Because like in Los Angeles, that guy could end up being the producer of a movie in six months that you didn't even know they had written. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's true. You you, The ride up is great, but the ride down, you're hitting bumps of everyone you stepped on on the way up. Oh, yeah. My boss used yeah. to have a, a plaque on his wall that said, be careful of the feet you step on today. They may be connected to the ass you have to kiss tomorrow. Ah, that's brilliant. That's exactly right. <laughs> yep. And he, he put it in his office for everybody to see him. You know, that makes a good point. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, you got any advice? I, man, I, I'm, I'm sounding like the, the typical interviewer. I should use my radio voice. No, man. Um, any, anybody that's kind of wanting to break into comedy now, I'm, I'm helping mentor a couple of folks that they're, they're so great and they just they need to understand their potential that, that they do have a lot of it and uh any any advice for the young folks that are wanting to get into this um the most important advice is take any and all stage time you can get as much as you can get it 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, people go, I'm not performing it. Yes, you should. Well, I'm not going to. Yes, you should. And the other thing is, is write real stuff. Like, if it happens to you, write that. You can twist it and torque it and do whatever you want to it. But, but stick to real life because the biggest thing people ask, and they, they've been doing it for years, is they say, what's that person's point of view? And I never knew what that meant. I'm like, what do you mean point of view? But what it is is if I could take that person, if I can watch their act, take them and put them in a situation, I know how they would act. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If you're kind, stay kind. When I first started, I wanted to be Dennis Leary. Oh, yeah. But I, I looked like a, the Gerber baby. And I was like, <laughs> you know, dropping F-bombs. And I'll kick your ass. And people would watch it and be like, that's not him. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's He's not really like that. That's It, it, it came off as pretend. You know? Yeah. So the, the, the closer you can get to yourself... Characters are a blast. I mean, everybody is a character on stage. Some people take it like cable guy is a character. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, but you know, people are like, does he talk like that? I'm like, no, not really. But he's a bigger redneck. I mean, he grew up with pigs and his, he used to hide the pigs from his dad, taking them to the sale barn in his closet. <laughs> and his mom would find piglet. Like he grew up at a sale barn mm-hmm. and I've been to Pawnee City, Nebraska, where he's from. <laughs> he is a, a redneck. He like, and people pull up videos. They're like, "Well, here he is on," and he's talking. You know, well, that, because at that time in the '80s, you know, all comics dress the same, yeah. talk the same. You know, it's because when you come up, you idolize people. You may like Jay Leno, or you may like somebody. So when you first start out, you're trying to be whoever was funny to you. Yeah, and then you find yourself, but. You know if you took Larry the Cable Guy and put him in a sitcom, you know where he'd stand on things. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? So if you can keep that point of view where, you know, you're true to yourself. And the other thing is if you tell real stories about your own life, you don't have to worry about people stealing them or, you know, it becoming a problem. Because when you're young and coming up, if you start doing other people's bits, you're ostracized. Oh yeah, that's that's one thing I've always been extremely careful about. When I'm writing, it seems like that's when all the good stand-up specials come out because I won't watch even before I start writing because I'm just scared that, you know, even though it won't be intentional subconscious, I'll be, okay, yeah, let's do this. Oh, me too, man. You want to you hear a funny story? <laughs> yeah. So years ago, um, there was a comedian. Well, let me. here's what happened. So I was doing a showcase in L.A. at the Laugh Factory, and I go up and I do this joke, and I go, I don't, I was like 260 pounds. I was like, you know, I don't fit in here. I go, I can't find any clothes. I bought this silver shiny shirt thing. I look like a freaking baked potato in it. You look like space right? pants. Yeah. So, and this is 20 some years ago. So I come off stage, and Ralphie May comes up to me and goes, "Hey, man." He goes, I got that same joke. And I'm like, Ralphie, no, you do not have that same joke. You're not stealing this joke. He's like, no, nah, man, I'm serious. I got the same joke. I do the same joke. I'm like, Ralphie, because you, you, another comic will watch someone do a set. And if they come up and go, I have that same joke, they're probably stealing it. Yeah. And I'm like, Ralphie. And he goes, I swear to God, man. He's like, I've been doing it for like two weeks. And I was like, yeah. He goes on the Craig Kilborn show and does it. And I'm like, damn it, Ralphie. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm like, Ralphie, what is your, and so through the years, I mean, dude, this goes on until like three years ago. We'd see each other or be talking. I was on a radio show one time that he was co-hosting. He's like, you still mad at me about that baked potato? I'm like, Ralphie, you know you stole that joke, right? <laughs> so I'm talking to my wife, and she's like, ask, she's like, who, who are like the comedians that you loved? And I went through everybody, Eddie Murphy, and I was like, this guy, Robin Harris. Oh, man, he was great. Was brilliant. I go, when I was in college, I had a VHS tape of him. And I watched, I probably watched it a hundred times. I'm like, you got to see this guy. So I turn, and I mean, literally, dude, I'd go out and get hammered and come home and watch that and laugh all the time. <laughs> so I pull it up, and my wife and I are watching it, and this big fat lady in a silver dress stands up. And he goes, look at you, girl, walking down the aisle like a baked potato. And I went, oh, oh no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I got to call Ralphie. <laughs> And I didn't call him, he died, and he died, and I never got to tell him how funny, because he loved Robin Harris, too, and both of us, <laughs> it just stuck somewhere in our head. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, and I was, looking, I was looking at the thing, and she's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, oh, my God. I go, do you remember I told you about Ralphie and the thing? And she's like, yeah, and I go, that's the joke. <laughs> that's the whole freaking thing. <laughs> so it, it's weird how that stuff sticks in your head. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, the the only joke I've ever intentionally stolen on stage, and I actually gave credit while I was on stage to it. Um, I actually stole it from Jay Hickman. And uh, yeah. I had gotten out of comedy for a little while, and I started coming from Thompson to Atlanta, where I was living at, and doing the every dive bar I could find. And I, I don't remember the name of the one I went to, but I did some research on it and found out that I was going to be extremely different than everybody else in there. And I, yeah. I called the booker and I'm like, man, um, am I going to play there okay? Uh, no, it, was a, it wasn't a named place. I mean, it was just a dive. I mean, it was, it was a big time dive, but it was an awesome place. Yeah. And the, the booker told me, he said, dude, color don't, your comedy don't know a color. You're going to be fine. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll come on and do it. Yeah. And uh, I got on stage and I mean, I, I was sweating like Mike Tyson taking the SATs, man. Yeah. And uh, I got up there and I said, y'all, I'm just going to tell you now, because I was the only white person in the place. And I said, I was a little bit nervous. Before the, before the show, I, I got a little scared. I went to the bathroom, and while I was in there, this guy walked up next to me, and I heard him unzip his pants, and I looked down, and it sounded like he's pulling a baseball bat out of a bag. And I looked down, and he said, whew, I just made it. He said, man, can you make me and one in white? And... <laughs> And that just broke the ice, and it was it was such a great show that night. But I, I gave Jay credit for that because you know that was his. Yeah. But yeah, I like. Yeah, it. it's it's true. Comedy doesn't. Here's the only thing I learned because by not having an apartment for all those years, I had to take every week I could get. So I'd open for Earthquake, and you know these big urban acts, Joe Torre and Tommy yeah. Davidson and. Jamie Foxx, like, you know, because whenever they'd come through, they needed, and I was just would do like 15 minutes. Yeah. You know, but I'd have to take them. And I had cowboy boots on and jeans, and, you know, it was the 90s. I was living in Atlanta. You know, I looked like I was coming out of the bullpen, you know, mullet. And yeah. It was like, and, and I'd go out, but it was the greatest thing that ever happened because people used to say, well, crowd, you know, comedy doesn't have color. Yeah. It doesn't. 
but what it does have is the smell of fear. <laughs> and, yes. and in the beginning, if you're afraid, black crowds will eat you alive. Oh, yeah. And so will white crowds. If It's not a black or white thing, but it depends on who you're going to see, what kind of comedy you like. Yeah. And, you know, it's bad booking to have a redneck open for earthquake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But they couldn't find anybody, and I needed somewhere to live. I needed to stay at the hotel. But it was the greatest experience because it made me realize it, there really isn't. You just can't be afraid. Yeah. You have to be yourself. Don't be afraid. And who cares? What's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, exactly. They don't laugh? Well, if you go out there nervous, they're not going to laugh either. I remember one time I was, I was there was a lady in the front. She's and I, At the Stardome, it takes forever to get. I was the house MC there for a while. It takes forever to get to the microphone because the mm -hmm. stage is so big in Birmingham. <laughs> and I'm walking out, and this lady stands up. She goes, oh, hell no. <laughs> and I was like, are you? And when I walked up, I, you looked down, and I could see her boobs. And I was like, well, you say you pop those things out for me. And everybody's like, oh, damn. I go, seriously, let's make some khaki babies. <laughs> and I look like a red, and the whole place went nuts, right? And then another time I said, I walked out, and it's a huge stage. And I was like, good God. I go, look, I wasn't expecting to see y'all here either. And they'd laugh a little bit. I go, I feel like Buddy Holly at the Apollo. This is some bullshit. And then... You know what I mean? And then they, because it, it was real. It was honest and real. Yeah. And it wasn't, so it's not a color thing. It's more of like a, uh, a where do you, how comfortable are you? Because the more comfortable you are and the more you're yourself and honest, people can sniff that out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Learning that every day, you know, especially doing these. You know, if you listen to the first one I did, uh, I actually interviewed one of the comics that I helped mentor. And, uh, we're just talking, but the next interview I do, I, I almost sound like the radio voice interview, like I'm trying yeah. hard not to do here. And, you know, and I get such a, I, I have such more, if I could speak good, I'd be all right. I have so much more fun just doing it like this, where we're just talking. I mean, there's not a set thing we're doing. No, this and, is a recorded phone call, like two buddies hanging out. Yeah, that's that's it, you know, and I, I love this. I, I like the fact that you're doing this because a lot of comics I've noticed almost act like it's a competition yeah you know and I, I hate that you know i it, i've read a lot of stuff that doesn't really work for me but if i i have a friend who i know it'll work for you know man i'll, I'll hook him up with it we were writing one night at my cook shack in thompson years ago and i had a friend i was, I was sitting there i said you know i bet elmish girls could give mean hand jobs after turning all that butter yeah. And it worked perfect for him the way my act was then. It just it wouldn't have worked for me. Yeah. And uh, the the other guy Jesse Suggs, he's 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 an up and comer. He's he's a good looking comedian. He's about four eleven, and he's a full time firefighter and paramedic also. And uh, he he wanted me to kind of help him out a little bit and give him some ideas. And I said, dude, let's tell everybody every time you get off the truck on a on an emergency call with your turnout gear on, everybody thinks you're a make a wish kid. And that has killed for him. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I just love sharing stuff like that for people because, I mean, that's not a joke that'll work for me, but it's hilarious and it's oh, perfect yeah. for him. You know, and there's, yep. there's comics out there that, well, you know, I'll say this joke for 20 bucks. I'm like, really, man? And I understand yeah. some, some people, I mean, you got to buy jokes. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, I'm just too yeah. poor and cheap to buy them. Yeah. 
and a well, I don't, I'm not competitive because I peaked. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I had TV shows and got to be in movies and did specials, and I did everything I ever wanted to do. That's the good thing about not setting your goals too high because mm-hmm. after you finish, you're like, hell, I'm good. Yeah. People are like, do you miss L.A.? Uh, no. Not, <laughs> not for a freaking second. Don't you miss all the the excitement? and the Yeah, I was great when I was my 20s. I'm almost 50. I, you know, that's a, I'm just going to cruise along and do my little radio and do some shows and play a little golf and enjoy my kids before they get out of school. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, when, when I was in my early twenties, when I started this, man, I'd have, I'd have killed to going out to LA and have the movies and everything. And now, well, I'm, I've got a couple things in the works that I'm working with and you know, I'd like to get some screen time. That'd be cool. Anybody that says they wouldn't want it, you know, okay, whatever. Sure. But it's not my main goal. I'm just, I'm doing this to have fun now. I don't get paid off this podcast yet. Hopefully one day I'll have 10,000 listeners a minute. And Hell I, yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. But, if, you know, if 50 people listen to this, I'm fine. Yeah. 10,000 listen to it, I'd be happier because then I'd start getting paid. But, hey. Yeah. It is what it is. As long as you enjoy it. Let me tell you something. I'll, I'll be blunt and totally honest with you yeah all that stuff that everybody runs after that i got to do it ain't Mm. what you think it is yeah it's like all my problems if i could have my own tv show eh, then you get it it's like well now what do i do this doesn't fill that void i thought i had this doesn't you know yeah and then you start believing that you're great and all that stuff and then something real happens and you go huh well, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of not real. It's not. I mean, money can go as fast as you can make it, and it's not real. There's more to life than just um, just trying to make yourself look cool. Yeah, you know, I'm getting old, man. I would have punched myself in the face 20 years ago. Oh, welcome to my world, man. <laughs> welcome to my world. I remember when cool was a pair of linen pants with the with the with the pleats on the front. I was pimping the, parachute pants. Oh, dude, I, I wore them in high school. At the skating rink. Oh, uh, my aunt and uncle uh, used to own a skating rink, and we would go for free. Oh, that's a good deal. My sister, there was no way that she could not skate. I mean, she could, she'd win the races. She could skate backwards, do a little dancing and stuff. And me, I would almost kill myself every week. Yeah. But I went. My move was I'd go skating as fast as I could into the wall. Mm-hmm. Like I hit it, but it was only up to your waist and flip over it and land on the seat. And I'll bet I missed the seat 50% of the time. But that 50%, you were amazing. But when I stuck it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, and, baby. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know what music they played at your skating rink, but I guarantee you skated a little bit faster when you dropped the bomb on me, came on. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Put turbo Absolutely. on the wheels. We always tried to skate as fast as we could, but there was always somebody down with the one foot out. Oh yeah. You know, all the way down, you couldn't see him, and we were those peckerhead kids that just like went out like, and just wiped out half the birthday party, and you know, it was fun, man. <laughs> been there. I've always been a big old boy, and I I was kind of whenever I'd fall, it's like somebody just put holes in a beach ball and filled it with concrete and rolled that bitch like a bowling ball across the thing. Because <laughs> somebody was going down with me. I wasn't going to be alone. Yep. But 
I remember yep. rocking, rocking my, my early 90s, I rocked the pleated linen pants and the printed silk shirts. Nice. Oh, yes, I was the man. Yeah. Oh, I look back. Now, that, I, I always say I've never done anything I regret because everything I've done has put me where I'm at. Yeah. No matter how small, but there's a lot of shit that I should regret. And those, those clothes are one of them. Yeah. But the parachute yeah. pants, I will not regret. Because I wore muscle no, shirts for no. mine too. Eighth grade, I wore a shirt with sleeves on it two days that year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, when I was in sixth grade, is I went, and I, after school, before football practice, I got a mohawk that was like, and I didn't tell my parents. <laughs> And it was, I got, ended up getting sent to military school, but so it was, it was the top and the back. And then it hung down in the back. Mm-hmm. Those, you remember those old school and then shaved on the sides. Yep. And I remember I came in, I had my football helmet on and my mom was like, why is your helmet on in the house? <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know, I'm like a 10 or 11. <laughs> She's like, take your helmet off. And I was like, I'm good. Cause I knew she was going to flip out. My dad's like, take your helmet off. And I'm like, Ugh. and I take my helmet off. She goes, you look like an effing Harry Krishna. Get upstairs. <laughs> Out come the, it was like. <laughs> so then I just had like this patch on the top of my head. And it was all crooked and shit. And everyone's like, I thought you were getting a mohawk. And the fo- everybody playing football was like, oh, he had one. He Because I told everybody I was going to do it. And everyone's like, you'll never do it. You'll never. I'm like, yeah, I will. I don't care. No. Yeah, I, I got mine the day before the last day of eighth grade. Yeah. Uh, walked in eighth grade. And I remember Mr. Freeman, he taught a class. It was like a little career class. Basically, it was the easy class that everybody took. Yeah. And uh, I wore a hat in the room. And that was his hard and steadfast rule. He's like, boy, you better take that hat off right now. Said, yes, sir. I pulled my hat off. He sat there for a second. He said, you can put it back on. <laughs> <laughs> But oh That's yes, awesome. I loved my mohawk, man. Yeah. But, oh yeah. Well, hey buddy, today is my son's birthday, mm-hmm. and he's finishing up his schoolwork um, online. Um, but he's supposed to be done in a few, and I hate to bail, man, because I oh. love talking to you. Oh, dude, you're good. You're welcome on um, here anytime. You got my number. All you gotta do is holler. I appreciate it. Yeah. This is fun, man. This is literally just like talking on the phone. Then a few hundred people get to sneak in and listen to what the hell we were saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Say, anytime you want on here, man, holler at me. I, the worst I can do is say I'm tied up right now. How about calling me in the morning? Well, I appreciate it. And wish your son a happy birthday for me, man. I have had a ball doing this. I appreciate you oh, coming too, on here buddy. so much. Um, and uh, anything you want to push, man, give us your website, Facebook, anything you want to push, man, I'll throw it out there. It's uh, RenoCollier.net. There's not a lot on there right now because everything got canceled. But this Fox Nation thing airs this Friday mm-hmm. if people are signed up to Fox Nation. And uh, you can check out um, my album, Monkey, if you want. But that's free on Pandora and Sirius. And if you put it on Pandora, you can listen to it. You ain't got to buy it on iTunes or anything. Sweet. Um, not other than that, man. Went there now. Cool. Oh, Just plugging the, along, buddy. By the way, check your Wikipedia page. Um, cause I looked on there cause I like to look at everybody on there, you know, uh, the official website is a boxing yeah. blog. Is a what? It's a blog about boxing. With my name? Yes. Yeah. Cause some Chinese jackass, somebody in China <laughs> bought my .com name. Oh man. So now I have to be .net. 
Oh man, that's oh, just and they wrong. wanted money for it. Oh. They're like, and it, it only slipped for like a second. <laughs> and I lost my website name because I suck at this stuff. I don't know what the hell's going on. And the record company calls me up and goes, "Hey man, uh, somebody in China bought RenoCollier.com. It just came up for a second before the credit card repaid again." <laughs> And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, they want money. I'm like, mother, what? <laughs> and I'm like, we can't call them. They're somewhere in China. Yeah. Uh, when, I, when I saw it, I was China. thinking, man, I, I don't really know a lot about boxing, but apparently he's really into it. This is Not at all. I don't even know what it is. Oh, it's boxing. <laughs> Where is the boxing company? Oh, man. I, it's, a, it's not even a company, man. It's just straight up just a blog. It's talking about boxing and COVID. And I'm like, oh, man. This is going to be oh. weird. But dude, Maybe somebody in the States bought it, and I can go find them and see if I can still box. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, man, we enjoy your well, son's birthday, and I, I've had a ball, man. Me too, buddy. Me too, and thanks for having me on, and we'll do it again. Outstanding. Outstanding. You take them easy. You need anything, you give me a holler, brother. Thanks. You too, buddy. <laughs> All right. Bye. See you, man.